today's special mini preview of the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast feed, which has launched today. And I hope you subscribed on Apple, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast. It's brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, life can be unpredictable. That's why State Farm agents are there to help with over 19,000 agents. A local State Farm agent could be just around the block, whether you talk in person, by phone, or through the app. State Farm is there. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. State Farm. Talk to an agent. Today, we're also brought to you by TheRinger.com and The Ringer Podcast Network. Okay, so we launched four episodes today on the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast. The first one was the prologue. It is called The Secret is Now Rented. If you remember from my 2009 basketball book, I wrote about the secret of basketball. I won't spoil it for you, but this is about in 2019. Has that changed? So that's up. The second one is with Steve Kerr, guardian of the secret for the last 25 years. It is a long conversation with him about that and a lot of other things, and especially what happened with him with the Warriors the last couple of years. Third one, Ryan Rosillo. We did a pyramid podcast about Stephen Curry. Not only his credentials to be in the top 25, but also an amazing career that really is going to probably be the first thing we think about when we think about basketball in the 2010s. And then the fourth one is actually a flashback. It is the Rewatchables podcast we did on this feed. Oklahoma City versus Golden State, game six, 2016, aka the Clay Thompson game, but a game that... um changed the course of the decade in the NBA in a bunch of different ways and was also the craziest game of the decade. So we couldn't talk about Curry and the secret and this whole Warriors decade without also putting that in the feed as well. So those are the four podcasts. What I'm about to play you is about a 12, 13 minute stretch of the conversation Steve Kerr and I had about two moments in his career, one with the Bulls and one with the Warriors when um, the secret was threatened by something that happened with those teams. So you are about to hear that. This is from the second episode of the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast. Here it is. You're part of two things that are really interesting in this whole dynamic of when a team gets threatened. You go back to 94, Scotty gets mad they don't call the game-winning play for him and decides not to go back in. And that leads to Kukoc makes the game winner. This is the Knicks series. And you go in the locker room and Phil Jackson decides he's going to let the players handle it. He doesn't go in. And then everybody handles it. And Bill Cartwright famously is crying. Mm -hmm. He's so upset. He feels so betrayed by Scotty. This is your first year after Michael Jordan left, and you're going to do that to us. And that was kind of a moment that breaks the team, but it didn't seem like it broke you guys. No, it it made it it stronger. And that was part of Phil's genius. You know, he knew uh, when to turn the team over. To, to the players. To the players. And I remember he, he came in and he said, I'm going to go talk to the media. I have to do my job and I'm going to protect uh, protect you, Scotty, as best I can. Uh, but Bill Carroll wants to say a couple words. And, and that's where internal leadership and veteran leadership is so important because, you know, Bill 
Bill just laid it out there. He just said exactly what needed to be said, which was, you know, we we do this together. We trust each other all year long, and it's about us. And all of a sudden, you lose that 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 connection. Like it just can't happen. And Bill was he was bawling. One of the most powerful moments I've ever experienced as a player or a coach. And Scotty was one of the great teammates I've ever had. It was just such a huge screw up on his part. Yeah. It was a one time deal though, and that's what I I I hate. When that people think of that, when they think of Scotty, some some people bring that up first. Like, yeah, I remember when Scotty didn't go back in the game, because Scotty was an amazing teammate. He, you know, he was a guy who sort of kept us together when Michael was, you know, just you're just. I mean, he was an MVP candidate that year. Oh, you guys he's won phenomenal. like fifty three or fifty four. Oh, he was so so good as a player, but also a great teammate. And uh, but but Bill's Bill's talk, and then Scotty, to his credit apologized that day and the next day and and everybody loved Scotty so much we all accepted his apology and and we we just moved on and it was fine my whole thing about him in my book was all about like fuck you if you're gonna judge him by that one thing like this guy was like this guy played I mean in the 98 finals he can't even move yeah he's in that game six that Utah game with his back is so bad like he can't bend over that's right and he's, I don't know. I just think that guy, I have him, I still think he's a top 30 all-time guy. And I think him and Kawhi, I think are the two best defensive players I've ever seen in my life at that position. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm i partial after I know you're partial. Coached, uh, uh, well, playing playing with Scotty and then coaching Andre Godala. I think Andre yeah. is uh, is at that level. Too. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's, uh, and I'm, you know, I, I caught, Andre really in the last five years of his career, but he reminded me so much of Scotty wow. in terms of the intelligence and the awareness of, of all five spots and kind of controlling the action, um, especially away from the ball, like blowing stuff up very subtly. And uh, but Andre reminded me a lot of Scotty, and uh, and yeah, Scotty was um, he was the best defensive player that I I played with for sure. Um, so that was one thing. The second thing happened last year with the Warriors, and I went to the game, the Clippers game. Ah, Draymond and KD yeah, get an yeah. argument on the court, yeah. and it gets super intense in the huddle, and it actually seemed like they were going to like yeah. start shoving each other on the court. And I, I knew it was going on because I was watching it in the huddle, and I could see something bad was happening. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, you finish the game, you lose in overtime. Now you're in the Phil Jackson spot. Yeah. So it's like, so how do you, do you, were you thinking like, oh, this is like the Pippin thing? Should I let the players handle this or do you get involved? Well, it's different than the, than the, uh, the Pippin thing because um, th- this was two guys who were, uh, you know, about ready to fight. Yeah. And so it was more a case of, uh, you know, we're going to have to handle this. We're going to have to let everything simmer and then handle it later. And so we, so you just, your goal is to get them away yeah, from each other. Yeah, like let's just let's get out of here. Let's get on the plane, go home, and sort through it. Uh, so we got out of there pretty quickly. I think I addressed it, um, um, but but we didn't. You know, everybody there there was so much raw emotion in the in the locker room. We couldn't uh, we couldn't we weren't going to resolve anything that night for sure. And um, that was uh, the beginning. Actually, it wasn't even the beginning. It was probably uh, more a result of what we had started to feel late the season before 
um, where the team was starting to drift a little bit. We were losing some of that connection. And then um, it, you know, kind of continued into, into camp in the early part of the season. There was just sort of an unspoken tension that was there that, uh, that Draymond couldn't, couldn't deal with it. And he just snapped and it, it opened up a, a pretty, pretty big wound. So Draymond this whole time, he feels like he's one of the leaders of the team. And he feels like this guy has one foot out the door, even though they, you just won two straight titles. Right. And it's just bothering him and bothering him. As a coach, you're like, at some point, this is going to come out or this is going to bubble. Yeah, yeah. And and as a coach, you know, you want to make sure each each guy is okay and each yeah. guy is ready to move forward. And and so, um, you know, the way you have to handle that is you you meet individually with with um, with players all the time, anyway. And then you try to you try to sort through it. One thing, you know, I've I've now coached Draymond. This is my sixth year coaching the Warriors now, and um, so Draymond and I know each other really well. Um, he needs some conflict to motivate himself. Yeah, and I, and I embrace that. Um, and he and I have gotten into it every single year, multiple times, <laughs> and it's okay because that's what that's right. you know he needs the conflict to to get motivated, to get energized. Uh, in this particular case uh, with Kevin, it was too much, um, and it's something that happened on national TV. And now, now you open up the 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 whole world to you've invited the whole world to scrutinize your team and and so now there's so many distractions uh that it becomes really difficult to deal with this had happened at a practice you know you can you can cover it up and uh actually we had several things over the over the past few years that have happened that uh, never made it out that and we're very proud of that yeah uh, but this thing uh because it was so public became a, a season-long story. You know, anytime we hit any rough patch, there was a reference to that night in L.A. early in the season, and is that still an impact? And it's just a question you have to keep asking or answering to the media, and it, it's, it becomes a distraction. And, and so it, it followed us around, um, but uh, it was kind of the theme of last year. It really was. We just had a lot of that. It was also a very modern last-decade problem for the team dynamic where I just, this never happened before really the decision with LeBron where you have people, con people like me on a podcast <laughs> constantly speculating on what's going to happen. Where's this guy going? You think they'll stay together? Is he going to go here? Is this his last year? Maybe they'll trade him. And that's just become part of what's made basketball. I think blow up as a 12 month a year sport. Now, when, when we started Grantland in 2011, Basketball was an eight-month sport. And the yeah. NFL was a 12-month sport. We never, it was never a situation where the season has ended. Now we got the draft. Now we have free agency. Now it's now we get July yeah. and then it's training yeah. camp. And it just goes on and on and on. And people are always wondering what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there. And I do feel like your team really <laughs> took the brunt of that. But I don't yeah. I think it's the first of what will happen now going forward. Like yeah. if the Lakers. I know you can't talk about other teams, but if that starts off badly, people will start talking about it. Oh, maybe Davis won't stay, and then they'll do that whole dance. Right, right. Well, um, that's just how we do it now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the interesting dynamic is how how all these pieces fit together. Right, you know, LeBron leaving Cleveland for Miami kind of established a precedent for superstar players. Like, okay, you can actually leave 
And, yeah. and actually that was a great move for LeBron, right? Everyone crushed him at the time. And, and yet, oh yeah. Now, now you can look at it and go, well, that was, that was really smart. You know, he, he, that was a really important time in his career. Right. But combine that fact, right. The superstar players now willing to, to move in free agency, combine that with the, the dollar amounts we're talking about um, for in contracts with social media, combine all that and you mix it up into a, into a stew. And that's what you have right now. And it, which is wildly entertaining, right? It, it, it fills uh, so many different uh, categories of uh, entertainment. So for people to follow on, on, on social media or watch it on TV, whatever you got superstars playing and you've got, uh, you got uh, drama that happens on court. You have guys moving, um, but the reason it's happened is because the money now is so big that the top 10 guys can afford to just sign a one and one. Right. They don't need the security of the long right. term. They used to sign think, the five-year deal. Not anymore. It does feel a little generational to me too. And it, this, some, when I did the podcast with Adam Silver and he was talking about how he was worried about his players, that there was an unhappiness with his players because they're alone a lot and they're online a lot and things like that. And I don't know. Is could that be part of just what we're going to see going forward? Is these this grass is always greener somewhere right. else kind of mentality? Because like, you know, if if we did this with our wives, we'd get married ten times. Yeah, we'd all be divorced. We'd be like, oh, my wife was mean to me today. I don't know. Maybe yeah. the neighbors starting to look <laughs> right. pretty good. Right. <laughs> but that's kind of what the NBA is becoming, where it's like, oh, if you don't do right by me all the time, right, I might just leave. And this is really important because. Now you put it in the context of team building and the secret and, yeah. you know, the, the whole reason we're, we're having this discussion is, you know, what makes great teams and historic teams. And is it going to be possible to, to really see the beauty of a basketball team that's built something over five, six years and grown together? And now you, as a fan, you're attached, right? You're attached to, to this group. You've watched them grow and it's like, oh my God, this is our year. And, and then another heartbreak and all right, we got it, you know, next year we're going to do it. And what if all that goes away and guys are just bouncing around and you don't end up with these, you know, team stories of the rise and fall of a team over five, seven years. It's just from one year to the next, it's like fantasy basketball. Yeah. But what scares me is I think people under 30 might just care about the player more than the team. This might not even be on the radar. Right. They're like, well, I don't care. I just want to follow LeBron. He's on the Lakers now. So maybe the, the Lakers are my new favorite team. So maybe the business will thrive regardless of I feel uh, like it will. This is it's like the daily fantasy Tinder era that we're in now. Where it's just like swipe right. Uh, KD's on Brooklyn now. I guess I'm rooting for Brooklyn. But you know, I what you lose is games like the game that you said was your favorite game you ever coached, yeah. game six at yeah. Houston. Yeah. That just doesn't happen anymore. That's, um, that's the question, and that's and that's the important question, I think, because, you know, if this were art, you know, if and it is basketball is art; it's a form of art. Um, the art's getting worse, right? We're not reaching that the peak of what the sport can offer, and if if that happens and it just becomes about the tabloid headline, then we're not; it's not about the art anymore. You can listen to that entire podcast with Steve Kerr by subscribing right now on Apple, 
on Spotify, on Google Play, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast to Book of Basketball 2.0. That was from the second episode. It is called Steve Kerr on 25 Years with the Secret. So we put up four today. Next week, we have two more coming. It'll be pretty much two episodes a week straight for the next 14, 15 weeks. Nephi Kyle is very excited for next week's episode. I won't tell you what that one's about, but you can subscribe right now. Hope you enjoy the podcast and we'll be back with a fresh new BS podcast on Thursday. Until then. <laughs>